So Happy New Year. We hope everyone listening got some much deserved rest over the past few weeks. And welcome to the first First Take podcast of 2022 with Michael Flanagan and myself, Diamond King. Michael, it's been a relatively slow start to 2022 in terms of biopharma news. Was there anything that jumped out at you this week or indeed actually in the latter part of last year during the holiday season when many people would have hopefully been relaxing and perhaps paying a little less attention to industry headlines? Yeah, I think it, it was kind of slow. You know, there were a couple of approvals, uh, some things here and there, some deals. I think the one that really stood out to me and probably most people was this sort of out of left field rumor that came out that Biogen was perhaps in play. Essentially, Samsung, it's um, the, the big Korean uh, conglomerate, was said to be sort of weighing up a, a deal to buy Biogen for something like 42 billion. And that was certainly out of left field. People didn't really see that coming. Obviously there were sort of some ties that bind them together. They, they have this uh, biosimilars joint venture. So they know each other, uh, but the, it was just such a weird um, out of left field thing because you know the timing of it was so weird because Biogen is coming up on this, this huge NCD uh, national coverage determination from Medicare on whether they're going to co cover the the Aduhelm Alzheimer's drug, and so you know it was just a really weird sort of um, timing of it. Uh, and then of course Samsung came out almost immediately the next day and said, nope, nope, that's not true. We're not we're not doing that. So you know who knows exactly what what the situation is there, but that that news event certainly caught my attention over the uh, you know the holiday period, but. Other than that, it was it was pretty you know quiet. There was Bridge Bio had some phase uh, three data that was not good for their um, amyloidosis, the transthyretin mediated uh, amyloidosis candidate. It was sort of this um, hope they hoped it'd be like a me better version of Pfizer's Vindamax, but that definitively failed in a phase three trial. So. You know, that was interesting. I thought the, the impact on alnylam, which also sells a, a drug for a similar disease um, on Patro. So alnylam actually got hurt by the news of Bridge Bio's failure, which is a little interesting because you would have thought, oh, alnylam is losing a rival. But uh, I guess it was sort of the, the definitive nature of the failure of Bridge Bio and sort of the the weird results they saw in the placebo arm basically i think investors started to get a little nervous that maybe alnylam's uh, study that they're running to expand the the indication for on patro might be a little up in the air um, but that was interesting other than that though you know i think it was yeah, pretty pretty quiet among the approvals was the first of the il13 inhibitors so leo pharma's ad try which uh, you know we may know better at this point is tralokinumab. That was approved for moderate to severe atopic dermatitis in the U.S. That's obviously a market that's being dominated by Regeneron and Sanofi's Dupixent, which you know the KOLs we've spoken to say that you know Dupixent is basically just uh, it's going to remain as is in the first line sort of biologic. So these IL-13 inhibitors that are coming along, starting with AdTri, are going to, you know, they're going to fight for the that second line market. And in addition to AdTri, there's Eli Lilly's um, Lebrikizumab, 
which just uh, succeeded at a third phase three trial. So that's coming along. So those two are going to, you know, go head to head soon enough. So that that approval was, you know, worth mentioning. Uh, I guess that's about it, though. You know, not, not a lot going on. Yeah, I mean, in terms of in terms of news this week that I think it's probably worth flagging. And like I said, it's been relatively quiet. We'll get on to onto why that probably is uh, in the next couple of minutes. But you know, an interesting deal announced, or not a deal, they're already collaborators, but an interesting announcement from Pfizer and BioNTech um, earlier this week where they sort of suggested that their next play in terms of messenger RNA vaccines is likely to be shingles. Um, this is a market where Glaxo, SmithKline, um, has a marketed product called Shingrix. And you know, analysts are expecting that that vaccine to become, you know, maybe a six or seven billion dollar seller by the end of the decade. Um, that largely on the sort of basis, however, that you know, maybe uh, there not being a huge amount of competition on the horizon. So obviously that announcement from Pfizer and BioNTech this week, um, you know, potentially changes that. And obviously it's quite an interesting sort of um uh, you know, succession to the the obvious success that they've had with the COVID nineteen vaccine. Some some interesting news today, actually. Novartis and Anilam announcing a deal where they're going to use um, Anilam's um, SI NRA tech um, to potentially try and restore um, liver function. So, sort of potentially create a new treatment that will avoid uh, the need for liver transplants and. Um, we also uh, had a Biohaven today sort of um, pre-announcing their Q4 sales for Nertec, which is their migraine drug, and which has been one of the real success stories of 2021. Um, you know, a, a big launch for a small company, particularly in the context of the, of the pandemic. We've seen, you know, some more established players and certainly other smaller players struggle with new drug launches. But that product um, is on track to generate about half a billion dollars in the US um, for 2021. Obviously, those those sales figures are not quite finalized yet, but they announced that the sort of the, the pre-announcement of the Q4 today. So that product is on track to become um, a blockbuster next year. Now, as I kind of alluded to, uh, some people might say that, you know, the new year in biopharma doesn't really kick off until the annual JP Morgan conference, which this year takes place next week. Not, unfortunately, in San Francisco, as it has done most years, but virtually for the second year in a row. Um, I mean, despite a hopefulness, I think, among investors that 2022 will see an upturn in M&A and deal making, I think it's probably fair to say that a virtual JP Morgan is just not as conducive to the big announcements that have sometimes occurred in the past, however. Um, and I think that's largely because when a lot of the biotech community descends on San Francisco, there's just this rationale for getting the news out there on the first day of the conference or the Sunday before the conference just to generate buzz on the ground. And I think in this kind of, you know, what is now currently the virtual format, the need to line those announcements up is not really there. I mean, we'll see. But I think, you know, particularly today, we're maybe getting some news flow um, 
you know, today and possibly tomorrow that we would have got over the weekend or we would have got on Monday. You know, we mentioned the Novartis, um, our Nylam announcement today. You know, some people have been, have been predicting that Novartis could actually look to acquire our Nylam in 2022. So, you know, you could sort of say this deal or this collaboration today kind of maybe plays down that expectation. Um, we heard today that Sanofi's exiting a gene editing collaboration with Sangamo. Uh, Merck KGAA is going to acquire a contract manufacturing organization called Exilead for about $780 million. And that's a deal that's notable because it supports Merck's messenger RNA aspirations. And we had some announcements from Amgen and Lilly today, um, collaborations with companies called Generate Biomedicines and Entos, respectively. So, uh, you know, we're speculating because obviously we may get more announcements early next week, but it feels like we may be getting at least some of that news flow that we would expect um, at the beginning of the of the JP Morgan conference uh, a few days early. And that that you know, that may suggest that next week is going to be quite quiet on, on the big announcement front as well. Um, Michael, in terms of, you know, the actual presentations um, that, that, you know, that companies large and small are going to be making next week, are there any that you're sort of looking forward to with particular interest? Yeah, you know, I think it, it'll boil down to the companies that, you know, have some sort of you know, without knowing whether there's going to be these deals announced or perhaps like some data events, which, you know, not typical for, for JP Morgan, it really will boil down to companies that sort of have big question marks or perhaps controversies sort of surrounding them already. You know, the one that immediately comes to mind, and I already mentioned them, is Biogen. You know, they've got this big decision coming from Medicare uh, just in a, in a few days, really. So, uh, you know, how they sort of set expectations for the year and sort of let you know set the set the year out for for investors and for observers that'll be interesting to see um right ahead of this this big decision from medicare uh also merck you know they just ran into a big setback in their hiv uh, efforts with isla isla travier uh it sounds like you know that's seeming sort of hitting the skids big time so you know they this is a company obviously that's been just sort of based on Keytruda success they've been moving in in the right direction for a while now they're hitting some some issues uh so can they sort of bounce back from that how they're how their covid antiviral how they're going to sort of set expectations for that those are the two that really stand out to me um are there any for you yeah i mean i suppose you know, Pfizer, in terms of what you were saying about setting expectations, I think, you know, Pfizer is obviously in this unique situation at the moment because of the success of of its COVID-19 vaccine and obviously the, the considerable revenues that that's generated. But now they also seem to be on the, the cusp of another revenue stream from this uh, COVID antiviral Paxlovid. Um, so I think that's going to be another interesting one. Uh, obviously, we don't know whether there's going to be anything that's kind of materially different um, that's going to be announced. But I, I think that kind of idea of setting expectations, you know, um, you know, are these successes in the kind of COVID sphere 
you know, translatable to the rest of its business, you know, and, and, and obviously lots of people are talking about, you know, potential M&A for Pfizer over the next 12 months or so. I think, you know, similarly, I think, you know, Moderna will be presenting. It's going to be interesting to see what they say. You know, funnily enough, I think we spoke before Christmas and we were talking about messenger RNA vaccines for COVID and, you know, the fact that they could be modifiable for different variants. And, you know, we're, we're probably now in a scenario where this Omicron variant is going to have sort of burnt through most of the global population before, uh, you know, a tailored um, vaccine is going to be available potentially. So I think it might be interesting to see what Moderna sort of talks about in terms of, um, you know, expectations again for, for its for its messenger RNA vaccine business. And another another presentation that I'll certainly be looking forward to is a company called EQRX, um, who we sort of profiled last year. We, we spoke to senior management. You know, for those that don't know, they're a company that's looking to sort of in-license um, fast follower um, drugs from around the world and are looking to launch those um, with a kind of price disruption model. I think the thing that's quite interesting is that they are somewhat reliant on uh, drugs that have been uh, initially discovered and developed by Chinese companies. And one of the sort of the hot topics um, at the start of 2022 is about um, potential approvability of Chinese cancer drugs in the US based on the strength of Chinese patient only data. So I think EQRX is going to be one to watch. And I think as well, um, Biomarin and Sarepta, um, I believe Sarepta are actually going to share some top line results uh, for their Duchenne's gene therapy um, drug uh, that they're developing with Roche. And I'm not sure if it's going to be presented at JP Morgan, but I think Biomarin, um, I'm pretty sure we're due to get the, the two year follow up data for its haemophilia A gene therapy in the next um, couple of months, if not beforehand. Um, I'm sure everyone listening has read sort of multiple previews of what's going to be hot in biopharma over the next 12 months. I think gene therapy is certainly one of those subjects that's going to retain a lot of interest. It's probably going to retain a lot of investment opportunities. But certainly last year, um, we saw the field take a few hits. Um, whether those hits are kind of product specific um, and, uh, you know, developers in general can kind of sort of continue to sort of make strides forward, we'll, we'll see. But I think, um, you know, in that respect, Biomarin and Sarepta, the presentations and, and obviously any data that kind of comes out in the next couple of weeks or months as well, I think is going to be sort of pretty important for perhaps setting the tone for gene therapy uh, sentiment uh, in 2022.